0: 2 1 mission and lift
1: off of, the of the You're listening to Radar Peak, a three-body podcast reviewing our way through the three-body problem and discussing its real-life parallels. I'm Allie.
2: Hi Allie. I'm Brett and asking for a friend. Did you miss us? This week we're talking UAP, the Schumer amendment, doomsday bunkers and haunted theme parks. Is that right? Oh, and of course, more of the Dark Forest. Stay tuned.
0: Energy unit reporting. All systems go. Coding unit reporting. All systems go. Amplifier unit reporting. All systems go. Interference monitor unit reporting. Within acceptable range. Begin transmission.
2: Once I make my move, you're free to check the king.
0: No, Ron,
2: no! What is it? He's going to sacrifice himself.
1: No, you can't! There must be another way!
2: I don't remember the rest. Hi, Allie. How's your week been?
1: Oh, uh, you know, it's been good. You know when I said I was going to go pee just a few minutes ago?
2: Did you not do that?
1: I actually pooed. And remember the other week when I told you I had a medical emergency, but I wouldn't share what? Yes it was hemorrhoids <gasps> it was a hemorrhoid
2: you know what it happens
1: to the best of us
2: could happen to anyone
1: so it doesn't happen to the best of.
2: Us. it doesn't happen to everyone
1: has it happened
2: it, to you no but it could happen to anyone never never
1: i thought it was normal i thought everyone gets it
2: everyone can get it why me i don't know i'm uh i'm, I'm pushing a, too hard i'm not a gi doc
1: i'm not pushing too hard i'm sitting too long
2: if you are you scrolling while
1: Absolutely. That's why. I, I it's some of the best time of the day is when you just sit with your asshole spread.
2: It's also unsanitary.
1: What?
2: To have your phone out in a bathroom?
1: Please. Oh my god. A dog's mouth is cleaner than the
2: bathroom. Not true.
1: That's a that's a myth.
2: Uh, he, dogs' mouths are not clean.
1: I heard they're pretty clean. They're not. Something about their saliva.
2: They eat shit. They
1: literally eat shit, especially well, especially if you ever. Sat grandpa, which was a dog. Oh, grandpa. He would eat his own shit. Anyway, Brett, we have so much to talk about today. You came in
2: on 10 today. I mean, you're like ready to go.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Take a sip of the Red Bull. Get your wings. Grow. Grow. Oh, no. Beep. My wings. <laughs> Can you come down? Okay. Okay. Now that you're seated.
1: <sighs> well, I mean, what a. What an eventful week.
2: What didn't happen this week?
1: What didn't happen? Yeah. I'll tell you what. One thing that didn't happen, the Schumer Amendment didn't fail. Okay. So if you guys remember. Is
2: this your this week's By the Way Mommy?
1: By the Way Mommy. Oh, I actually thought of two more segments. I don't have segments. I have titles for the segments, okay. but I don't have content for But not what they'll be. Content for okay. This. Okay, a segment called What's the Catch? Okay. <laughs> Where it's like I tell you something that's too good to be true. Okay. I like and that. then you are like, "Well, what's the catch?" <laughs> okay, but what's the and catch? either there is a catch or we haven't, we have yet to find the catch. Yeah, uh, unknown, unknown catch, uh-huh. unknown. Okay, and then the other one is called "Am I in the wrong?" <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's kind of like the subreddit "Am I the asshole?" Uh-huh. So it's kind of been done.
2: Is it my fault?
1: Yeah, am I?
2: Is it my fault? Me? Yeah, that's funny. Right? Like, like I like the closer we story. could get this show to like watch what happens live the better
1: yes yes i like that like, i love that and also like my direction. silky story could have easily been a am i in the wrong mm. you know at any rate um but yeah the schumer amendment passed
2: so this is your by the way mommy
1: um no oh, well
2: okay. uh... i'm just i'm looking at our producer like cue the song cue the song it...
1: right 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 y- you know what this is our by the way mommy
2: okay by the way mommy
1: by the way mommy the schumer amendment passed Okay. And if you remember, we for talked once, about it last week. The I think.
2: house has done something.
1: Yeah. I think they did change some of the language, but ultimately the integrity of it was not. It's still there. Diminish. Got it. Okay. And included. So for
2: our listeners who may not know. Yeah. About the, the Schumer, Schumer Amendment, Amendment, if they missed us talking about it, give us a brief rundown.
1: So basically in the. The bill that, you know, was on, was subject to Senate and House approval for DOD spending, like the DOD spending plan.
2: Oh, yeah. The uh, NDAA, the National Defense yes, Authorization Act. Yes,
1: yes. Which is the essentially the act that like outlines how much money is going to be given to the Department of Defense.
2: Pentagon. Pentagon. And In often cases it's like a blank check. Literally, because it gets bigger every it's time it's like
1: out it. 600 billion dollars, and
2: always some of it in the you know billions of dollars goes like unaccounted for. Oh, every year, you know,
1: it every year. There's an amendment that Schumer put forward after David Grush, you know, went public as David Grush, a, the American hero, the American hero mm-hmm. in this house, yeah. We believe.
2: David Grush is a hero.
1: Yes. And so Schumer put forward this amendment that was basically allotting a certain amount of money toward the creation of a nine-person board that would function on, like, the executive level on par with, like, the presidential cabinet. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it would essentially be an advisory board around UAP disclosure.
2: I'm seeing it's, like, charging the National Archives— to like find any and everything that they can that the u.s has in its possession to put together to bring to them right so right. that wow okay but
1: also within that panel would be like a sociologist and an economist and a scientist oh, and uh well,
2: okay. this feels like historian arrival kind of like that movie somebody from each line of like science and philosophy and like humanities and da 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 so okay yes okay. to basically right.
1: help also construct a seven-year disclosure plan to the american people People where, like, the government rolls out the truth about what information we have pertaining to non-human intelligences, a.k.a aliens or extraterrestrials however you want to put it i mean they're they're not one-to-one in semantically but but however you want to think of your alien it's basically like for all intents and purposes it is all but confirming the existence of something
0: of some that the government
1: knows something that the american people don't and and the amendment is to create an act that would create transparency that does not currently exist wow okay around that information
2: I'm glad to hear that it passed. I mean, for a while this was sort of like held up in committee because there was a you know not a not a zero but not an inconsequential size group of Republicans that wanted to see this amendment struck, you know, from the body of the NDAA. And it's like their reasoning was, oh well, you know, we don't want to see this passed because it gives too much of like a a potential to accidentally release government secrets or like covert government operations, you know, da 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 whatever. But it's also like the government's been crying national security wolf since George Bush implemented it in the first place. So it's like, I'm glad to see that there's been some kind of a check to kind of like seemingly anyway offset that. I mean, the president still, from what I'm seeing about this bill, when it does ultimately get signed by the president, because now it has passed the House and the Senate, once it gets signed into law by the president, it... It does put this information sort of release on a timeline that the government is comfortable with. And I guess ultimately, if there's information included in there that's on track to be released, the president, I guess, it looks like could still have final say on whether or not to withhold it. So I guess like if, you know, as we're progressing through getting this information, like, I say the public just, like, absolutely freaks the fuck out or whatever, the president's probably not going to be like, okay, and here's the rest of it. Their names are, you know, like, whatever.
1: Yes, yes. And sorry, I'm just reading uh, Schumer's notes, um, you know, after the passing of the bill. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah, so Schumer on Wednesday said, and I quote, and this is from the debrief, UAP are of immense interest and curiosity to the American people. And with that curiosity comes risk for confusion, disinformation, and mistrust, especially if the government isn't prepared to be transparent. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's like clear, like if you're not prepared to be transparent, then like people are going to draw their own conclusions. Sure. Yeah. He says the United States government has gathered a great deal of information about UAPs over many decades, but has refused to share it with the American people. That is wrong. And additionally, it breeds mistrust. Mm -hmm. Referencing testimony provided from what he characterized as multiple credible sources that information on UAPs has also been withheld from Congress, Schumer goes on to emphasize that the UAP Disclosure Act offers a common sense solution, which is modeled after the JFK Assassination Records Collection Act, Mm -hmm. which is very interesting.
2: A thing in and of itself, yeah. Right? That's for Patreon.
1: But it's a parallel He says it brings together, I think, a notable parallel in the withholding of information that are in the government's possession.
2: There is a so do you know that that website 12 foot ladder? Yes, of course. Not an endorsement, but, you know, when when I find something that's behind a paywall and it's journalism, I like 12 foot ladders Climb the ladder as counterpoint. So that we're not only offering like, woohoo, UAP, woo-hoo! it's game time, you know, like yeah. whatever, um, as counterpoint. Journalist Kyle Mizukami, writing for Popular Mechanics, offers in sort of like like op-ed style His takeaways on this version of the Schumer Amendment included in the recently passed NDAA and kind of what you were saying about how like, you know, parts of it were changed. It's not exactly as it was originally intended in the body of the bill. Like, you know, it went through some revisions before they would ultimately be like, let's pass this. His take is that and I'm quoting him here from historian Popular Mechanics. This new watered-down Disclosure Act is a step forward, but it's just one step when the original act would have allowed three to four steps.
1: Damn.
2: It's baffling that a Congress, more than willing to bend the federal government to its will, would simply throw up its hands and blame the government for the inability to safely declassify UAP data.
1: Jesus.
2: Perhaps this was poorly thought out. Perhaps those who had their knives out simply thought it was a poor use of government resources. One thing thing is for sure kyle mizukami says whatever the cause of the uap phenomenon this new uap disclosure act will do very little to get to the roots of it and will do even less for the public
1: sad
2: but if david grush our american hero captain america himself is to be believed which hashtag i believe him yeah there are up to slash potentially more than 40 other government whistleblowers with just as much direct first-hand knowledge of the UAP phenomenon and the government's alleged crash retrieval and reverse engineering programs, as David Grush, ready to come forward and speak to Congress at a moment's notice. So, it's like, if disclosure the government's way doesn't seem to be working out, disclosure, I mean, on behalf of whistleblowers, nobody can stop somebody from coming forward and speaking freely.
1: Yes. It does feel a bit like an unraveling spool, Mm -hmm. that like, okay, Okay, you want to like not pass a bill to like legally unravel the spool doesn't mean that spool isn't unspinning. Oh yeah. And to your point, have this have this new kind of theory, a little cultural criticism. If Do you we will. need a
2: tinfoil hat for it? Is it one of those?
1: It's not too tinfoil okay. hatty. It's more like sociological. Oh okay. So you know, I was talking about this with my good friends, uh-huh. our good friends, yes. Michelle and Max and friends of the pod friends of the pod and you know we're i was talking about the schumer amendment and like you know the disclosure act and, and we're talking about like what it means for a, our government to come out and confirm you know that aliens do exist sure yeah and max made this point that you know some people still won't even believe it no like some people are so committed to their own version of reality mm-hmm. That there's nothing, there's no evidence that you could put in front of them that would make them change their mind and be like, oh, this is real. And then here's where my like sociological theory comes in. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I think in in an earlier episode I referenced someone that I work for who was like, oh, please, Allie, you don't you don't actually believe in that. Uh Uh-huh. You know, and he's Gen X. Okay. You know, and I do feel like, obviously not across the board, but I think. Gen Y and younger, mm-hmm. so like millennials and younger, mm-hmm. are more prone to believe and and be convinced that, you know, UAPs are real, yeah. non-human intelligences are real. Like, We're not really the only be...
2: life in like the cosmos. Yeah.
1: Yes. And the reason that I think that is, and here's my sociological theory. Okay, ready for it. Or maybe even like socioeconomic theory is I believe that our parents— and the generations above us. And mm-hmm. obviously this is there's an intersectional. are you getting ready to
2: drag the olds.
1: <laughs> I'm about to drag the old. Okay. No, we love our gen, Y and wait, sorry. We love we love our boomer listeners. And this is not to drag the boomers.
2: Although I feel like you're not talking about anybody who listens.
1: No, of course not. Again, like I said, it's I'm not saying all. I'm saying and maybe I'm completely wrong here. Okay. You know, this is what do they call it? Pot psychology, pop psychology, armchair psychology.
2: Armchair psychology.
1: This is armchair psychology. But the reason that I believe the older generations are less prone to believing in UAPs. The
2: phenomenon, we'll call it.
1: Yes. Is that they came into adulthood in a very different economy.
2: Yeah, like one where there is nothing for them.
1: Them? The boomers?
2: Oh, I thought you were talking about the Gen Y and down.
1: No, 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 no. Sorry. I'm talking about the boomers. Got it. The reason okay. the boomers don't believe
2: yes. is that they inherited oh,
1: yeah. a thriving they had the account. world on a
2: silver platter.
1: Yes. They could throw shit at the wall because and make a million post-war
2: dollars. Did the thing that they needed to do and like were rightfully rewarded, for, you know, not all of them. It like largely by and large favored the white them who were, yes. you know, being rewarded economically. But like the government did reward people economically after the war effort which like you know you would hope that they would do that you'd hope it'd be more equitable
1: totally i'm talking your average like but it's like their
2: children grew up in an america that was made new overnight basically
1: yes and and the economy just fucking exploded and the american dream really seemed like something that was Absolutely possible oh, yeah. if you were white. And to come of
2: age in the 80s and be a straight white man. Yes,
1: you could. In
2: finance. You could. Like something.
1: You could literally make money by spitting on a wall. Yeah. Like the stock market was just insane right you had like so many huge booms so many advancements in technology so much like expansion of uh the job market because of you know the growth in technology like it was just an extremely profitable time to be alive and to be you know believing in the american dream and working you know for corporate america
2: imagine like decades of like the nft craze effectively where like money in those sums are being you know changing hands quickly and like daily and lots of times, so like everything there's is And often
1: like there's like a material to back it up, though, oh, right? Yeah. Like, there's actually things being made. Yeah, not whereas quite NFTs like an NFTs feel like, a, yeah. little, like uh, a little Ponzi scheme. We're
2: laundering money for JPEGs.
1: Yeah, whereas, whereas you know, the internet was, like, burgeoning, right? Yeah. Like all of this technology Thank was... Thank you, Al Gore. <laughs> all of this technology was coming into existence, whatever. But really, like, the stock market was just up, 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 up. It was crazy. And it was just very easy to focus on your immediate reality when your immediate reality is so good. Mm -hmm. Our generation and younger has not been so fortunate, Mm -hmm. right? Like, why would I... I mean i don't know anyone my age who believes in the american dream i think we're extremely
2: we realize it was a pr lie yeah literally sold to
1: us. what american dream yeah. you mean the american reality and the nightmare there was,
2: a, there was a time when what we know as the american dream didn't exist so you have to ask yourself what made people start having this dream
1: and do you have an answer to that
2: it's just they were it was told to them right. and then displayed and sold to them yes. in a way that they like hive-minded it to be their you know, yeah. fate or whatever and it,
1: and it did seem like plausible you know when i think of like new york in the 80s like it was with the exception of like the son of sam like it was thriving sure, yeah. i don't know if that was the 80s actually i think that might have been the 70s but nonetheless booming
2: boomers gonna boom
1: boomers gonna boom and meanwhile you've got your millennials and younger who have inherited such a garbage situation we're all like coming into the workforce post bank bailout mm-hmm. of you know the housing crisis of 2008 like we uh, we everything is collapsing around us we are like losing rights every day. It's hard to, no one can buy a house. Like, it, you can't make enough money to save money. Like, everything you spend goes to just like surviving. Yeah. So, it's like, why would we focus on the immediate when the immediate is so bleak yeah. and so broken? Yeah.
2: Like, we have to believe there's more yes. out there greater than us because, like, if this is it, baby, why?
1: Right. I think there's a lot more truth to like what millennials or, you know, what believers believe mm-hmm. than, you know, what those who are just like totally content or complacent or whatever with like their corporate jobs are yeah. believing. Anyway, I don't know if that's articulated well, but
2: I think it was pretty great.
1: That's my socioeconomic theory. I
2: think it was pretty great. Here, let me let me help you down. Thank you. From there. <laughs>
1: Anyway.
2: anyway um we watched a movie this week we don't normally watch movies together we normally like do you know do our little silly life things and then come together to be like guess what i did this week yeah here for True. all of our friends on the internet but we watched a movie together last night and i have to say i have thoughts we watched the netflix original leave the world behind mm-hmm. Allie, what did you think
1: everyone's talking about it it was good
2: <laughs> that's it that's it
1: Listen, you hyped it up a lot. No
2: other thoughts? It was really good. Did it make you think about anything? Like afterwards, I mean? It didn't have to necessarily. I was just curious.
1: Hmm? Is this leading? Like, did you want it to make me think about something in specific? No, no,
2: I'm just curious.
1: Well, I, as a writer, Mm -hmm. am always looking most at the writing. Of course. And the writing was good. It was tight. I knew from the beginning, like, what the overall arc was going to be. I knew she was going to, spoiler alert, I knew she was going to get to see the Friends finale. Mm -hmm. It really showed a plausible scenario as to how america could be overtaken
2: there's this one shot at the end where like you see manhattan like being bombed basically like missile bombs you know you don't see the planes but like you hear the missiles incoming you see buildings explode from the ground like it 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 looks like footage like we saw of America and Afghanistan and Iraq in the George Bush years. So, like, to me, seeing that, it's like, obviously, I still re- obviously remember nine eleven like it was yesterday, seeing that on the news. But, like, I don't know, something about seeing, like, a targeted, like, actual full-blown sort of, like, war plan on the island of Manhattan made me feel the same way in my stomach as I felt watching Hereditary.
1: Mm, like, sick.
2: And seeing that little girl get her head clocked by yeah. that road sign. Yeah like sick viscerally
1: so like do you think the implication was that it was a combination of america's enemies like it was north korea and china no and not Russia even necessarily i Iran. just think it was
2: somebody that it, like in some way either had access to that plan from the defense contractor or like bought that plan from that defense contractor
1: oh interesting
2: you know like it you know there's like so much there but the interest i mean all of that is like you know a thing to behold and like a ride to go on but the interesting thing that i thought this movie is the first title from the obamas executive producing Mm. for netflix in their media deal with netflix something that i found interesting in this obama produced sort of like end of the world but like not as you think like in a very like real kind of way he consulted on the script on a lot of aspects to sort of like make the I guess, terror aspect of it seem more real Mm -hmm. based on things that he learned while in office as America's president. So he's like, oh, you know, I'm just thinking like, you know, the things that we saw in the final cut are things that a former president is like, oh, yeah, we've heard about this kind of stuff. Put that in. That's terrifying.
1: But it was based on a book.
2: It was based on a book, but like I, but the would fact be, that Obama consulted. I would be interested to sort of like now I kind of like want to read the book and see yeah, sort of like what? where they differ and be like, holy, you know, to right. see because reportedly his notes like terrified the writing staff.
1: One of the most interesting components of the, you know, ta- like the what was happening mm-hmm. to me was that like America's satellites were, you know, taken out of commission mm-hmm. and therefore our airspace could not function. Yeah. Like, we rely so heavily on...
2: Qubits, ones and zeros.
1: And our ability to monitor airspace and control airspace. Mm -hmm. But you take that out, and we're fucked. Yeah. And it didn't seem that hard for them to take it out, you know? And this reminds me of something else I want to talk about with regard to airspace. Let's go. I just came back from Kauai, which was an insane experience.
2: That's your... third fourth vacation this year <laughs> i'm not judging i'm just jealous that's all that's all that's all how do
1: i go I'm on okay so many i'm okay vacations? i'm okay i know it sounds like i was just in greece but
2: that was last week
1: that was last week anyways i went to Kauai. i camped it was like an insane experience that place is so spiritual and if there's one thing that i really learned going to hawaii it's mm-hmm. that First and foremost, Hawaii is another country. And the fact.
2: Say that one more time louder for all the people in the back.
1: Hawaii is another country. Period. There is no reason. I mean, there are reasons, but there is no good reason why.
2: Uncle Sam's like, I can think of a few.
1: Yeah. Why Hawaii would be a state in the United States. and It's an
2: asset. (laughs) That's why.
1: It is an asset. And it is, I, I just learned so much. So Kauai in specific is home to the Pacific Missile Range. Mm-hmm. And the U.S. government has done so much live missile, live fire, live bomb testing, testing mm-hmm. in Hawaii on, this, on these lands that are you know thousands of years old and like sacred. Is this
2: the Bikini Atoll? Is this in the same place?
1: Bikini Atoll is near there, but that's not it. Okay. But there's also Midway. Okay. Which is another thing, but that I'm not going to get into today. Yeah. But like, like the U.S. military's operations in Hawaii are endless. Yes. And the way in which like Hawaii was annexed is super fucked up and just like when you go there you're just like wait i there's no reason that this should be part of america
2: yeah i mean like was a kingdom and like had operating functional like government going back generation i mean like there yeah it's not like the u.s showed up and saved hawaii (laughs) yeah
1: no totally what was interesting was like at some point, Queen Liliuokalani, like, the last queen of the mm-hmm. Hawaiian kingdom, she was overthrown by this, like, group of white businessmen. Shocking. Who wanted to, like, basically have free trade of their sugar cane mm-hmm. with the mainland.
2: They didn't want tariffs.
1: They did not want tariffs. And they hold her, like, in prison and on house arrest. And when she's finally released from house arrest, she, like, goes to America. Grover Cleveland was a friend of Queen Lily Liliuokalani. Okay. And so, like, shit was good. But then... William McKinley comes into power in 1896 and you've got these advocates who are like pressing him to annex the Republic of Hawaii and those advocates are essentially three white businessmen who have business in Hawaii
2: vested interest
1: yes vested interests. and he's like you know this would be good for America also though you know think about it i.e. Us. it would be really good mm-hmm. if we annexed them let
2: us stimulate the economy i.e. hoard all the wealth
1: and and the US Senate didn't ratify this treaty that okay. um this sec- the secretary of state at the time drew up in order to annex Hawaii. Eventually, by like 1898, this Newlands Resolution mm-hmm. successfully like basically declared Hawaii a territory of the United States. Okay. And a majority of native Hawaiians opposed the annexation, especially Liliuokalani. And yeah, basically, America was just like, we're just going to overthrow this, this kingdom. Is finders, and keepers, this is ours now. It. Yeah. But something that I learned while I was there, it made a lot of. I made a lot of friends there. And um, one of the guys, he told me that, you know, for a lot of Hawaiians and for Queen Lily Uokalani, Mm -hmm. you know, there was a lot of pressure because if Hawaii didn't sort of just accept America as it's like essentially like colonial leader, Mm -hmm. then it was most likely going to be invaded by Japan and taken by Japan. Mm -hmm. And needless to say, like Japan was fucking brutal. Like Everything I've read about what Japan did. I'm not saying America's any better, but knowing what Japan did, you're in saying the that, Philippines, you're saying they like,
2: didn't really like they they had no choice. Basically, they, they had, were just like
1: this is the lesser of.
2: They had two options years. only, but not a choice.
1: Yes, yeah, exactly. It's like all right, well, we're not going to get to stay an independent kingdom, right? So, you know, which captor do we want to live with? Um, And it's just really sad because when I was in Kauai, it's just like so much of this land has been completely taken over by the U.S. military, Mm. including the Pacific Missile Range, which is in Kauai. It's the world's largest instrumented multidimensional testing and training missile range. Okay. And, like, this land is, like, sacred. Like, it's, like, there's burial grounds for, like, ancestors and, you know, like, it's just... It's such an interesting, culturally rich place. And then you just have like America and like missionaries and businessmen who came in and absolutely
2: did what they do,
1: did what they do. And one of the worst things that I believe America did. And maybe I, I kind of was thinking if this podcast, when we're all said and done with body mm-hmm. we could do a podcast that's just like every week like the top uh, max and i thought of this the top 100 worst things america has done wow. <laughs> and just like every week we just talk about like something horrible that america did
2: ali i just i have to ask i mean because you know we enjoy the the benefit of being able to criticize our government yes. thank you 1a you're my favorite thing um but i you know it's kind of towing the line a little i mean i I know we joked about coming out as progressive social Marxists, but it's it's kind of towing the line of like anti-government so i just i feel compelled to ask you where were you on january 6th (laughs) listen
1: there's there's a lot of nuance in how we can oppose our government i'm not one of them (laughs)
2: I'm just kidding. I
1: know. Um, But okay, no. One of the most egregious things that I think America ever did Mm -hmm. was – and I never hear about. I love – there's so many things that you just never hear about, which also – my friend on the island, Ian, told me about. Ian was like actually – so basically Emily and I are in Kauai and we like go and buy a coconut. Okay. And the guy who – did I tell you this? Mm-mm. The guy who's selling us the coconut is this guy named Chemo. Okay. And he looks at Emily and he goes, you look like my friend Lauren. And we're like, Really? And he's like, yeah. And then he's like, what are you guys up to? And we're like, oh, like, he's like, where are you staying or where are you from? And he's saying, oh, well, you know, he, I was born in Ventura, but I'm Hawaiian. And something that I also learned is there's a different difference between being like Hawaiian and being like a resident of Hawaii. Yeah. Like Hawaiian is a true culture and yeah. an ethnicity, you know, yeah. and a background and, you know, native. Yeah. And then there's like many, many immigrants like Japanese and Chinese sure, yeah. and whatever. So he's part Hawaiian, but he was born in Ventura and, you know, moved down to Hawaii. And now he sells coconuts. That's amazing. And he's like, what are you guys doing later? Or like, where are you staying? And we're like, oh, we're camping in Polihale, and, which is this secret insane beach on the west side of Kauai, okay near like literally adjacent to the the pacific missile range and if you walk a little too far on that beach people will surround you with guns like you
2: it's like being near radar peak
1: literally and it's like also um it's called barking sands
2: I love barking sands. You know about barking sands? Yes, I so love barking. They happen in Florida sands in that bark. Yeah, when you run on them or step on them too hard, or so crazy. Yeah.
1: So he's like, oh, I'm going out to Polihale. We're gonna like look for sunrise shells later cool. with my with my with Ian. Ian's the guy who gets the coconuts for him. He climbs the trees. He's a, he's an he was like an arborist in the Pacific Whoa. Northwest, and now just like fishes and Sick. climbs trees okay. in Hawaii. Anyway, so they were telling me a ton of history about Hawaii, and um, Ian told me about Red Hill okay red hill is an underground fuel storage facility
2: is that on underground on the water or like below the ocean under
1: floor? a mountain
2: whoa okay got in it in
1: oahu okay in Hon- honolulu okay and basically before world before the u.s entered world war ii mm-hmm. the roosevelt administration was concerned about the vulnerability of a lot of above-ground fuel storage in Pearl Harbor. Okay. So in 1940, they decide, let's build a new underground facility to store fuel... And that would be safe from any, like, aerial attack. Wow, okay. This Red Hill fuel site, which is, all again, like, sacred land, mm-hmm. was just drilled into. They built these huge—you can see it on, like, a map. It's insane. Well, I don't know if you actually can because it's underground, but I've seen, like, what it looks like. And In it's very enormous. Yeah. They basically drill into the basalt rock and mm-hmm. build enormous— uh fuel tanks.
2: Got it. And the reason so kind of also, like what they did to make Mount Rushmore they took something like hyper sacred and just oh like right. ultimately defaced it to be now what they want it to be.
1: It's disgusting. Yeah. Okay. So anyway basically what Ian tells me is like they build these massive fuel tanks and they fill it with jet fuel. Okay. And great like it's got unprecedented flow rate so they can like fill up tanks faster than ever great. and who gives a fuck. Yeah. And then years later. Oh boy. That jet fuel seeps into the soil
2: Shocking. Wow. Shocking. Who could have guessed?
1: And obviously contaminates the water. Mm. And people, especially like people who, um, you know, in the Navy and like were working, you know, within the site Mm -hmm. and their families were all drinking this like contaminated water. And apparently mad people had like birth defects and like, you know, uh like cancer I mean, you think
2: about it if you're drinking like benzene yeah. and other things like it oh like, yeah you're yeah.
1: saying you could you could fill your cup up with water and light it on fire
2: oh no
1: and it was completely covered up if you read about it like they say they did tests and it was totally safe of course and you know I think Aaron
2: Brockovich would like a word
1: yeah and anyway so then they I think they drained it well they like decommissioned it and mm-hmm. drained it but it's you know, you can never take that fuel out of the groundwater. Mm -hmm. And there was like some $200 million like plan that the Department of Defense like put out to contain and like modernize the testing at Red Hill. And they did all these tests, right, to study the movement of the groundwater around it. And they're just like, you know, it's not likely that any fuel is gonna reach Oahu's drinking water sources. Okay. But like, I don't know, it just it's like
2: But it's like the mm, military
1: they they literally are playing with fire. Yeah. They don't give a fuck mm. about what they're doing and what they have done. And they actually can't undo a lot of what they've done. I mean, one of the islands of Hawaii is completely uninhabitable mm. because of the testing that they did there. Oh, yikes. Um and because there are so many undetonated mines oh. from They're like tests. From tests.
2: Wow. So like
1: as much as there's been efforts in the last like 20 years to repair, there's certain things that have. It's just booby trapped. Yes. That will be permanently inaccessible and permanently, you know, toxic and permanently poisoned. And Mm. yeah, I just like left being like damn.
2: Strong opinions.
1: America is so fucked up. Mm. So that was my trip to Hawaii.
2: I'm glad you had fun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> beautiful place i don't suggest anyone visit honestly i mean like leave those people alone it's just how i feel if you're gonna go like go with the utmost respect yeah. and deference and
2: and maybe watch white lotus yes. before you go. oh
1: it was giving so much for white a little
2: lotus, bit of, yeah i was of, like oh here's yeah, how not to be while in hawaii because
1: mm-hmm. i had never been on like a tropical beach vacation mm-hmm. to a place that is actually culturally its own thing yeah you know like i've been to florida sure and i've been to like Aruba, which does have its own culture, but like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like.
2: Yeah, all traces of like native Florida for the most part have been erased by.
1: Yeah, but like you go to Hawaii and you're like, oh my God, like there's still Hawaiian language here and there's still like so much Hawaiian tradition here Mm -hmm. and Hawaiian history and like even though so much of it has been erased by missionaries. Yeah. uh, There is a real effort to like They're really good at
2: doing that, by the way.
1: Oh my God. The amount of churches, there's no reason for there to be as many churches as there are.
2: Mm. (sighs) Anyway, anyway. The, re- the reason I brought up that movie, yeah, there's this one scene where every channel on the television is like a federal like national emergency type alert like blue screen white text kind oh, of situation yeah, yeah. but then for a moment it like it bleeps in the signal from CNN and oh, it's yeah. showing like all this bad stuff that's happening like planes falling out of the sky Da da da. is like because the US is suffering a cyber attack Right. and it's showing like you know it almost looks like election night where it's like right. by county how badly it's affecting these places Right. but on the map last night when we were watching this movie there's a QR code on there
1: yeah Brett spotted it with his hawk eyes
2: I found somebody else on the internet who saw it and got a clear enough picture Picture who wasn't looking at a projector they were like on an actual television and they scanned it and do you know what it takes you to what? okay it takes you to a website for this place in mercer county west virginia that's called lake shawnee abandoned amusement park
0: what the fuck
2: and according to the website's description there is something quote unnatural about the attraction's location which is billed as quote one of the world's most haunted places
1: oh my god i've chilled a
2: native american burial ground violent deaths freak accidents who knew a simple amusement park could have Such a dark past, says the website.
1: Oh shit.
2: Location wise, it's in West Virginia and the movie takes place on Long Island. So, like, they're not really correlated. No,
1: why the fuck is this QR code?
2: But it's like for Obama now, people know that Obama is involved or was involved with. The making of this movie. A small but dedicated conspiracy theory community has popped up since this movie has been released. And they believe that this abandoned amusement park is at bare minimum an Easter egg, but at most could be actual instructions of where to go because the whole movie revolves around like finding safety. Like there's this like sort of amorphous in destination of like finding the one neighbor's house that has like an emergency mm. doomsday bunker built yeah. underneath the house or whatever. Okay. So people that have have popped up in this new community in this new conspiracy community seem to think that the qr code and the location that's attached to it is sort of like a wink wink nudge nudge come here because the world's going to be ending soon so there are people that are legitimately thinking that they're all gonna show up at this abandoned amusement park and be like welcomed into a doomsday bunker or something
1: no no
2: truly that's t- scary. Not I would rather if, not. It's not a big if true, but like that is big, big if, if true. true.
1: Interesting theory. That's a good theory.
2: I know. They're creative at the very least. I wouldn't
1: want to be in a bunker in a haunted amusement park. I'd rather just die out in the land that's not haunted.
2: Yeah, same. You know, -hmm. anyway, Anyway,
1: should we take a smoke break?
2: I think we're going to take a little trip to Pluto. You can enjoy the next 30 seconds of this musical break brought to you by
0: (laughs) Macy's.
2: to tell me a little bit about for this week, starting us off with this new character alert, Keiko Yamasuki. Yes. Who's this?
1: Fade to. Who is she? Fade to a luxurious home in Japan. Okay. Where Keiko Yamasuki and her husband Bill Hines
2: Okay. One live. of the, he's
1: He is, yes. No, great question. I'll tell you of, everything you need to know. He's one
2: of the wall facers?
1: Yes, Bill Hines. One of the wall facers, you know, I definitely skipped over the details (laughs) in the first telling of the wall facers, but that's okay because you don't actually need to know who's who till now.
2: But he's one of the people that the government is like or that the U.N. rather is like we want you to come up with a plan to save humanity from the Trisolarans.
1: Solarans. Right as you guys may remember. Good good recap. Yeah. Yeah, so Bill Hines, one of the wall-facers who's been tasked with coming up with a 400-year plan to save America that he cannot... Or, no, sorry, to save the world. Save America! That's, an, that's a Freudian slip, but like a nationalistic slip.
2: America on the brain? <gasps> <laughs> Must be America on the brain.
1: Drunk! You
2: might notice I censored all of that. That's because I don't want Parkwood Entertainment coming (laughs) for your neck or mine. They've
1: got the budget to sue just about anybody.
2: Not on Beyonce's internet. True.
1: We all scroll on Beyonce's internet. So anyway, Bill Hines and his wife, Keiko Yamasuki. So Keiko Yamasuki wakes up, you know, she's a little sweaty, she's in her bed, her mattress is firm, it's a very beautiful minimalist room in their house in Japan. You have to understand, they also have a house in London, but... Bill, he's the kind of guy that, he prefers his house in Japan. Okay. Is that fetishization on his part? Probably. Not
2: no. Yeah, Not okay. No.
1: no. Uh, he's a British scientist. He was nominated for two, count them, oh, two. One, two. Nobel Prizes. Okay. For the discovery that thoughts and memories operate on the quantum level. Ooh. Rather than the molecular level, okay, bigger as had been previously believed. okay. And this had a big effect on you know, he, he had all these theoretical frameworks for what the consequences of his discovery could be. okay. but we'll get we'll get to that later. Anyways, this is just a reminder of who he was. Won this Nobel or or was nominated. Didn't get, didn't win. Actually, his wife ended up winning Keiko Yamasuki because of how she like applied their theory or like their, their discovery. Mm -hmm. um, She took it to the
2: extra mile.
1: The extra mile. She applied it to amnesia and mental illness, but doesn't go into detail about that either. Um, But I guess if
2: you think about it. Learning something versus learning you can do something with what you learned. This one is worth more,
1: right? But so also, I see why she
2: won versus him.
1: But also, like harder, harder to do
2: to find an application.
1: Yeah, right.
2: Yeah. So go ahead, Keiko.
1: Go ahead, Keiko. So Keiko like wakes up in her silk sheets and she looks to her left and Bill's not there.
2: Okay, is that strange?
1: She looks out the window and there's her husband walking around in circles muttering to himself. Oh, okay. I mean, these are creative liberties. But, yeah, in my world, that's what he was doing. And she goes out there and she slaps Bill across the face and she says, What the fuck is wrong with you? Why haven't you been sleeping? <laughs> For the record, she doesn't, she doesn't, do, she doesn't smack him. Oh, okay. But I just want you guys to understand.
2: She's serious about it, though. She's
1: like, Bill, what are you doing walking around in the, in the bamboo grove at two in the morning she's like my love she holds his cheek she says how are you doing and he's like keiko i can't think of anything i mean i'm a wall face i have to come up with a 400 year plan and uh, i'm at a loss oh no there is no perfect plan she goes Mm amore or I don't know what's love in Japanese.
2: <laughs> You're looking at me. I don't speak Japanese.
1: <laughs> Can I look it up?
2: No, don't do it.
1: <laughs> she looks at Bill and she's like, Amore. <laughs> she's like, There is no perfect plan. You should just try relaxing. Trying and giving it your best shot is good enough. And he's like, Keiko! <laughs> Wait, I forgot he's British. Yeah, he's like Keiko. How can I relax?
2: What was the first one?
1: The first line,
2: the first accent. What was the f- for for <laughs> Bill just then? What was what was that?
1: Just my inner demon.
2: You forgot he was br- you forgot he was British, but what, what was the <laughs> first one?
1: Just my inner demon
2: mm. clawing its way out <laughs> from the inside.
0: I'm like, Shh. help. Let me out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, British Bill Hines. British
1: Bill Hines. Says, <laughs> "No relation to the Hines family.
2: Not like the beans. No ketchup." Yeah. But maybe. Hines.
1: Says, "How can I relax when every step I take consumes a massive amount of resources?"
2: When you're Hugh Grant?
1: <laughs> Keiko, the ever knowledgeable. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. I don't know that she's knowledgeable so much as she has sway over her husband and she's like, I hate that you're doing this. Please just don't do this. No,
1: she's knowledgeable. She won a Nobel Prize, damn it. <laughs> she has a solution for him. She's a fixer, probably an Aries. Okay. She, she can't, she's not here to validate his feelings. She's here to come up with a solution. How are we okay. going to fix this?
2: She's okay. practical.
1: She's got some earth in her chart,
2: but she wants him to relax. That doesn't sound like she wants him to like formulate a plan.
1: True. Maybe there's a little bit of air in there. That
2: gives me like forget about that it. Just me do Venus this instead. In
1: Libra, not no. But she does have a practical, a bit of advice. It just comes to her like divine inspiration. Okay. Like it's nothing. A woman's intuition, if you will. Okay. She says, ah, "My love, how about this approach then? Whatever your plan is." Design it so that even if it is unsuccessful, it will do great things as it is carried out. Mm. And I'm like, that's really good advice. Yeah. He's like...
2: I mean, also, not surprising advice coming from the woman who found an application for their research. Totally. You know?
1: He's like, great Scott. Keiko, you're absolutely right. You took the words right out of my mouth. Okay. My mouth. (laughs) then his mouth starts bubbling just kidding oh (laughs) (laughs) okay he says he says keiko that's a brilliant idea you're brilliant i love you he grabs her face and he kisses her on the forehead and he runs to his laboratory and he starts writing furiously he's writing he's writing he's like i have been doing brain research and development and and right okay remember the stuff they were studying about this no no none of that happens
2: (laughs) so he's not being a scribble gremlin
1: he's not scribbling okay He goes, yes, Keiko, you and I have been doing brain research and development. and All right, now, remember the stuff that they were studying that I was saying that they almost won the Nobel Peace Prize Mm -hmm. for about thoughts being on the quantum level? So this discovery demonstrated that animal brains... Have the capacity to process information that is like several orders of magnitude higher than was thought, right? Like if it's at the quantum level, then
2: they understand far more than we
1: Yes. It's not based on the size of their brains or the number of connections, right? Like it's possible that they understand more than the cortexes are showing. Mm -hmm. And it also supported a long held speculation that the brain has a
2: holographic
1: structure.
2: Interesting,
1: yes, and so I decide let me just like look up what this is that because
2: sounds it sounds a little it, bit like Gateway in a way, it
1: does. So it's okay, I love this. This is a great name for something that we've talked about but didn't know there was a name for. Oh, okay, so holonomic brain theory.
2: Go on, have you heard of it? No. Please.
1: So, holonomic brain theory is a branch of neuroscience investigating the idea that human consciousness is formed by quantum effects in or between brain cells. Whoa! Right. So, inside our neurons, there is
2: something happening. Quantum
1: shit happening mm-hmm. that we like are really we struggle to observe right right like we don't understand what like these flashes of light these flashes of electricity are carrying information like
2: what more it translates to yeah okay
1: holonomic i don't know if this detail is really important it might honestly just confuse you it might confuse me i'll just i'll let's give it a go (laughs) holonomic refers to representations in a hilbert phase space okay no, this is honestly way too advanced for, for our listeners, for sure. It, then we got to go into Euclidean vector spaces. And, Ooh, okay. But anyways, so holonomic brain theory is opposed by traditional neuroscience, which investigates the brain's behavior by looking at patterns of neurons and the surrounding chemistry. Okay. Right? Right. Like when we think of neuroscience, traditional neuroscience, what like the they're looking at is, yeah. right, like what compounds are being exchanged across barriers. Mm-hmm. Like it's all cellular, which means it's molecular. Right. Right? We're not looking at light. We're looking at chemicals, proteins, um or
2: the things smaller than yes, um, the cellular level.
1: Calcium, yeah. like uh copper, you know, yeah. chemistry, and so forth. So the specific theory of quantum consciousness was developed by this neuroscientist in collaboration with this physicist. And they were building on the initial theories of holograms. It describes human cognition by modeling the brain as a holographic storage network. The suggestion is that these processes involve electric oscillations in the brain's fine fiber dendritic webs, right? Which is those like legs that connect mm-hmm. the neurons. Um, and we see like little like sh- like, uh, like energetic pulses of, over Like those looking
2: things on across nerve cells. Yeah. Yes.
1: Which is different from the more commonly known, act, uh, which, which is just different from what we pre, like what we study the axions and the synapses to be doing, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're always kind of looking at like the chemical uh, exchange
2: change. happening. Yeah.
1: So these oscillations, these electric oscillations create waves and wave interference patterns in which memory is encoded naturally and that wave function can be analyzed by something called a Fourier transform.
2: Okay. Is this like a thing that one gets hooked up to?
1: Actually, this doesn't matter the Fourier transform. Okay. It's it. just um it's just a way of reading the waveform.
2: Like that activity yes, level.
1: Exactly. So in a hologram any part of the hologram with sufficient size contains the whole of the stored information. Yeah, right. Which I didn't know.
2: Yeah, because like I think we talked about in our... If you haven't taken a chance to listen, subscribe to our Patreon. But in our conversation with blacklisted astrophysicist Bruce Rout. When we talked about how, like, the properties of a hologram, how, like, if you have, like, a hologram image and you break it up, every single piece will still have all the information from the original whole piece of the hologram image. So, it's, like, that makes sense that, like, if it's encoded as the whole, it's also encoded as the part that is the whole. Right. Making up a bigger version of the whole, but, like, all put together and stacked and, like…
1: Right. It's not so much a projection. Like, I think that's the key thing to understand is like there's a difference between a projection and a hologram.
2: Yeah, it's like compressing dimensions down into a two dimension, but retaining the integrity of the dimensions that where it came from. Right. It's why a holographic image to us appears three dimensional Mm. because it's information from the third dimension encoded on the second dimension right something flat holograms are sick
1: insane so in this theory like a piece of long-term memory would be distributed over a dendritic you know space Mm -hmm. so that each like dendritic network contains all the information stored over the entire network.
2: Got it, yeah. So everybody has access to everything all the time. They're like yes. like e- quantum linked almost.
1: Exactly. Okay, got it. And this model, ex- exactly as you said, allows for important aspects of human consciousness, including the fast associative memory oh. that allows for connections between different pieces of stored information. Yeah. And the non-locality of memory storage, as in A specific memory is not stored in a specific location. Mm
2: -hmm. It's everywhere. It's in the body. It's everywhere.
1: Exactly. Which
2: is why trauma stays in the body. Trauma gets encoded into our DNA. And our DNA responds in kind. Okay. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. So this is in the real world, what you're telling me right
1: now. This is the real world parallel.
2: Okay. So Sick.
1: Um, wait, but there's one other thing I want to tell you. So
2: in our story, Keiko Yamasuki and her husband, the wall facer, Bill Hines, they did research like along these kind of lines. That
1: proved lines. or that like, discovered that, yes, indeed, uh, thoughts and memories are quantum information. Got it. Okay. Not molecular.
2: Got it. Okay. And then um, she figured out what to do with it and she won the Nobel Prize.
1: So yeah, the hologram was invented mathematically first where... This guy, Dennis Gabor, creates this system um, or, deco- you know, discovers this system where an image can be reconstructed through information stored through the ho- throughout the hologram. Okay. And he demonstrated that basically the information pattern, if you will, of a three-dimensional object, this is mm-hmm. also what we talked about with Bruce Rout, about like the event horizon. And
2: this is in the real world? Yes. Okay. Or this
1: is in Dennis Kabor's, like the, this was in the origin and development of the holonomic brain theory. Okay. This guy demonstrated that the information pattern of a three-dimensional object can in fact be encoded in a beam of light,
2: interesting
1: which is more or less two-dimensional
2: interesting
1: like you were saying about holograms mm-hmm. he also developed mathematical models for demonstrating holographic associative memory blah 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 anyways that's all I wanted to say about the parallel do you know
2: why that's interesting to me there's another parallel this past week NASA with the help of the psyche spacecraft if you remember that mission when when that launched it was a um, left on a huge rocket. Part of its mission is to study whether or not high definition data can be transferred over wavelengths of light. And they did so. It was like a video of a cat that was in like 4K. They transmitted, you know, it's like 15, 18 seconds or something across. But it's, a, but, it's a, but like across space.
1: Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Wild.
2: 4K on a light beam.
1: Insane.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway, Bill Hines' like studies. And like assertions were a little too radical in order to actually win the Nobel Prize, which is why Keiko, whose application, uh, won her a prize in the physiology of medicine.
2: Mm, okay, so he got kind of blacklisted. She used it in a way that the community approved. She won.
1: He was still nominated. Like he was acknowledged. But they were like, "Uh, we can't give you the prize. Just a little too fringe. Petty. So (laughs) petty indeed. As we know, every board is mean, girl. That's remind. Never mind. So anyway, he's like, Keiko, you're so right. Like we could we could have a positive effect whether or not the mission succeeds. Here's what we could do. I can use what you and I have worked on. And with the unlimited budget of being a wall facer. (laughs) That went a little Australian. Given the unlimited budget of being a wall facer. Facer. Facer.
2: When you're Chris Hemsworth.
1: We can accelerate the intelligence of future generations. The whole project can be like, okay, maybe I can't figure out a solution to the Tricelerin crisis, but the people born 200 years from now, if I give them an advanced ability to learn and imagine and innovate and to think for longer without needing to take a break, maybe even eliminating the need for sleep, perhaps they will then be able to put forth a planetary defense system. Perhaps they will fashion a science of the future that will break us out of this sofon prison so keiko's like okay yes 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 with all that money we can funnel all our research into a world engineering project to increase human intelligence i mean how long will that take to be successful and they're like 100 years and he's like no let's say 200 years you know because that way they'll have 200 more years to develop a fundamental science mm, okay. and then turn those theories into technologies. Yeah, okay. Jesus Christ, this book and this fucking yeah, like hard a, science. It's
2: like a tight turnaround, though.
1: Yeah, it is. But, you know, maybe it'll take less. Yeah. She's hoping for 100 years. Yeah. He says, even if it fails, we'll have done what we can do. Come now. Let us make love in the bamboo grove.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's it?
1: And that's it. And that's, that's the end of that chapter. Come now, let me make love to you in the bamboo grove. And Kiko's like, "Ah." and that's the end of my section.
2: (laughs) New scene. Now we find ourselves in a meeting, or like a convocation, or like a like a conference of sorts we are <clears throat> testing T- can everyone hear me welcome to day three of the pdc's first wall facer project hearing no! yeah baby we're at wall facer con
1: it's giving jury duty it's giving it's Giving Nexium conference. It's
2: very like I'm here because I was compelled, right? Kind of thing. The men with the guns showed up at my door, and I have to be here because it's
1: day three. My duty.
2: Yeah, day three. I wonder
1: what they're serving.
2: Well, here at the conference center I mean, for lunch. They're prob. Oh, I thought you meant like what they're serving.
1: No, what they're serving.
2: Well, you'll see. Okay, here we're going to be hearing from. The wall facers.
1: I like the idea that this is at a Ramada in like Pennsylvania.
2: I know, but we're not. Remember, we're at the UN. We're like very, very fancy digs in New York. Here we're going to be hearing from the wall facers. And basically what they're doing is like they're coming before everybody who sits permanently on the PDC and their representatives. So just think like subcommittee in the United Nations to present their plans in sort of like as abstract a way as Mm -hmm. possible. Got it. Just to lay out what it is that they need from the UN.
1: Got it. Glad they're having this. To
2: see if it's going to get approved or not. Because, you know, even with the threat of the world ending and humanity ending, everything's got to go through committee.
1: That's Hishin Liu. He's true to form.
2: <laughs> Yesterday, on day two of Wallfacer Con, that's the episode title
1: Wallfacer Con.
2: Wallfacer Con. For
1: sure. Okay. A Wallfacer
2: Con. <laughs> A Wallfacer <or> Con.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we, we, yeah, yeah. you make sure it's for sure that say wall face or gone oh yeah like as if it's a comic-con swag no that's shirt. what i mean yeah that's good with
2: a lineup of who's speaking and like yes what,
1: in what we 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 gotta do the lineup of like whoa yeah. gee. fucking well well he's not gonna talk because he's in yesterday Geneva.
2: <laughs> yesterday during day two heinz and ray diaz so heinz with you know his pension for Japan, and Ray Diaz, the former president of I forget where, but Panama was it Panama, Venezuela? I don't remember. That's why I didn't say. It, but
1: it's one of those.
2: He was from a place that was classified by the UN as third world, right? Which I was just like, Oy. the UN got it. Got it. Yesterday, Hines and Ray Diaz submitted their plans. And so today on day three, Tyler was submitting his. And he had the opportunity to do so yesterday, but he was like, no, I'm going to be a little bitch and I'm going to wait until like the last possible second. So on this third day, everybody on the council is like on the edge of their seats. Like, we have to know what this guy is doing. Like, we're so curious. Why is it so secretive?
1: But also what's funny is like, no matter what the plan is, part of the plan is deceit. So it's like...
2: Sure, but he has right. to still tell them what it is he, he needs, needs from them. Right, right. So they're like, why does he have to even keep that a secret? Got like it. We, we're like salivating basically okay. for like any morsel of like a detail. So Tyler says to the members of the PDC, I need to establish my own armed force in space. I don't want a replacement for the Earth's fleet. Like I'm not coming for the Space Force, but I need my own that. And if you need us to, we can assist the Space Force while we're in space. But like their objective is going to be rep- port directly to the command centers that we need and they're going to be a hundred percent under my control with no threat of military intervention so then rey diaz pipes up and he's like uh Mr. Hines, this committee has accused me of wasting resources from my plan. You think they're going to give you the resources to build your own Space Force? Even though you're saying you're going to help the Space Force if they need it? Like, you think they're going to give you that many billions of dollars? Okay. And, like, remember, Ray Diaz, his plan, when we were back at NASA, he wanted the biggest nuclear bomb that has ever been built. He was
1: at Los Alamos.
2: Yeah, or could be built. Right. So, like, that was his plan. And they're like, you're wasting our money with this. Yeah. So he's like, you think they're going to give you a space force? Not going to happen. But Tyler's like, no, I don't want my own space force. I'm not trying to go to space to build warships. No, no, no. All I need is a fleet of a thousand ships that are big enough to hold one person that can either work independently as its own ship or they could all link up and like fall into formation and operate as one entity additionally. One of the members at the hearing speaks up, and they're like, wait, you want ships that are only going to hold one person each? Like, just compare the size of that size ship to any one of the Trisolaran ships in the fleet that is coming for our solar system. Like, it's not even a fair comparison right. like your ships are going to basically be like mosquitoes right it's like what kind of throw wound, popcorn at
1: an elephant yeah
2: like what kind of wound could you inflict on the Tricellarian fleet with a ship the size of a mosquito by comparison and Tyler interrupts the chairperson he like puts his hand up with a smile on his face and he is like um sure you can think of them as mosquitoes but these mosquitoes would each be equipped with a hydrogen bomb with a yield of a hundred megatons each so then if they link up a thousand ships with a hundred megatons each mama boom go with the dynamite you know what i mean <laughs> so now ray diaz who we already know is obsessed with the atom bomb he's like tyler are you trying to steal my plan are you like are you copying me and tyler just kind of smiles and he's like well
1: Wait, give tyler the voice of
2: and tyler is like well <laughs> If I could copy your plan, would you be a wall facer, bro? <laughs> you know? Yeah, like yeah, He's very like, mm, no, I'm not copying you. And if I could, yeah. you haven't done your job. Period. So why would you be here? Yeah. Kind of thing. Someone else is still talking to Tyler like about this plan to build the warships. And so they're like, you know, even if you have a ship that does have that big of a nuclear bomb, It's not going to have the capacity to go any further in orbit than, like, the orbit of Mars. So, like, how meaningful do you think it can be? Like, once they're at the orbit of Mars, like, it's actually, they're probably within weapons range of Earth at that point. So, like, you know, what about that? And Tyler's like, oh, don't worry about that. The engineers obviously have some work to do, but as long as they figure out how to make the ships be able to, like, link up, to one another we could power them all with like a single engine and just sort of like push them all out to the edge of the solar system but then somebody else is like but wait if the ship is only big enough for one person how do you expect somebody to stay seated for as long as it takes to get to the outer reaches of the solar system like they're not even able to get up and walk around how's that gonna work and tyler's like ah that's right that's the other part i forgot to mention the engineers also have to come up with portable human-sized life support units so that everybody can go into cryo sleep and then wake up when they're on the battle's doorstep
1: damn basically. oh that makes my stomach hurt would you want to be one of the 1000
2: well that becomes a topic of conversation so to answer your question heinz kind of under his breath but like loud enough for tyler to hear it says something kind of like oh god i'm sure you're gonna have millions of people lining up to be the pilots of these things signing up to go to sleep in a fucking metal coffin <laughs> and only waking up so that they can execute a kamikaze mission like yeah you're gonna be spoiled for choice with yeah. the people who are like trying to get these pilot <laughs> no seriously and Tyler- or was
1: it still <laughs> no, seriously, I, want, I want to go i need to
2: sleep it's heinz <laughs> And Tyler's like, yeah, I mean, like, finding pilots is going to be, like, actually the hardest aspect of this mission. But, like, it's not impossible. And as he's saying this, the det- like the final, like, actual printed out, here's what we need from you. Requisition lists are being passed out to all the members of the committee. Mm-hmm. And the representative and the representative from the U.S., to answer your question earlier, of, like, what are they serving? Is serving Karen, like, <laughs> as they will. <laughs> And they're pissed because you might notice, like in all of this discussion of this hearing, we haven't heard from Luoji yet. We have not. Representative from the U.S. is like, so really, like we're already in progress, and Luoji is not even here yet. This is unacceptable. Where is he? This is a meeting we called. This he was compelled to be here. What right does he have? I want to speak to the, you know, whatever. Trying to just I'll be like,
1: march down here for this meeting.
2: Publicly outraged as the U.S. likes to be about things.
1: There to things. be forward. Wall facers with reports, and I only see three. Yeah,
2: so she goes full Karen and jumps all the way out of her. I just
1: speak to Logies. Handler.
2: Yeah, and Garenin, who you you might remember <laughs> as.
1: He's Count Chocula. Russian <laughs>
2: military official. Was that okay? Yeah, it's okay. I'm really bad at
1: no it's accents, good. I
2: feel like. It's
1: really good. It's giving Moldova.
2: Privet. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so remember from a few weeks ago, Garenin, the Russian military leader, he answers the representative from the US and he was like, oh, actually, Luoji let us know that for his plan to be successful, he has to not only be isolated from the entire world, but he has to take a hundred percent non-participatory role in all committee meetings. He will not be joining us. Boom. Instantly, the people in the room start either like, Hmm?
1: what's that song? What? what's that song that's like so you want to be a gangster (laughs) you know like that's Luoji. after that
2: yeah basically go on because immediately in the room people start whispering amongst themselves and like under their breath and there's like you can tell on everybody's faces they're either like half of the room is like angry and also can't believe that Luoji is not here and then the other half of the room is like where is he no they're kind of like damn that's amazing and kind of like jealous that they didn't think of it first because it is pretty brilliant a way to get out of something that you didn't ask for in the first place so then
1: this guy's a smart Alec
2: uh huh so then Ray Diaz Hines and Tyler amongst themselves are all kind of like half shitting on Luo Ji and also kind of like jealous of the fact that he's getting out of all of this but then it kind of becomes apparent that Tyler and Hines out of the three of them like they don't necessarily like Luo Ji, but they like actually hate Ray Diaz so they start kind of like coming to Luoji's defense of being like you know what actually it probably is really important why he's not here like yeah totally I understand why he would want to do that like yeah it's Can super important that- <laughs> so they're just sort of like coming to bat for him basically yeah, right. just because they hate Ray Diaz Damn. so much and then sort of like united in their hate for Ray Diaz. They just kind of like make a point to speak out of turn. And so Hines turns to the committee chair and he was like, basically to the effect, he was like, Ray Diaz is a failed president of a failed state. Like he fucked it up so bad in his home country. They had to fall under martial law, sanction rule managed by the UN because of how terribly mismanaged everything was within his government.
1: So they're really like, Radiaz is not on par with us. And they're
2: like, for him to be so obsessed with wanting a nuclear bomb that's bigger than anything that's ever been in existence, he clearly is just a power-hungry, war-hungry, weapon-hungry dictator. We think this plan should not be approved. Which, like, obviously sends the meeting into uproar. The chair recalls the room back to order. And when the meeting ends, the wall-facers all leave the hall to go collect their thoughts in the meditation room, our favorite place apparently. And they kind of arrived at the conclusion like, oh, this place must have been built for us because like none of them can actually talk about what their plans are. So they just all kind of like sit in silence. And the book says something like they all kind of have this understanding. Remember that big like iron sculpture you described as being in the meditation room? It's sort of like a witness to their thoughts Mm. that they can't speak. Uh So it's like this solid thing that like is able to absorb the only information to protect from the sofons, basically because they can't talk to each other so like they're finding their solace in this room basically and as they're sitting there in silence like unable really to connect with each other because they can't talk about anything that they're planning or thinking Hines says to tyler so tyler have you heard about the wall breakers and tyler's like oh yeah actually i just saw on the news that the eto like updated their website and they were claiming ownership over the wall breakers that that's like part of their operations and then the three wall facers just fall back into silence because there's nothing left to talk about each one of them is just sitting there thinking about their own individual wall breaker who one day they will probably cross paths with and if they do it will be their last day whether that's the wall facer or the wall breaker they'll never know until they do know
0: Bow, bow.
1: Back to me in the studio.
2: This week is crazy.
1: Thanks, Brett. Hi, I'm Allie, and I'm reporting live from Dasha. Now... You're... <laughs> do you remember... Dasha's son by any chance?
2: Yeah, he was the inside guy who was like selling access to the escape fund.
1: Right. Right. <laughs> Thank you so much for remembering. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was like, have we ever met this character before?
2: We've never seen them in the same place before.
1: So little Shi if you remember uh-huh. little Shi You got Dasha, who's big Shi and then you've got
2: Xiao Ming. Shao Ming uh-huh. which
1: is little Shi
2: Uh-huh.
1: And And little Shu is sitting and he sees his father, Dasha, come on over. And he kind of puts his head down in shame because Dasha is actually visiting his son at a detention center. Oh, okay. So we're assuming here that he's been arrested for the fund. The escape fund. The Ponzi scheme that he created. And Dasha, we also learn that, like, Dasha is sick. Like, he makes reference to, to you know, Dasha.
2: I mean, people have been like, why are you not in cryosleep? You were scheduled to be asleep already.
1: Oh, really? I forgot about that.
2: Somebody said to him at one point, like, your teeth were bleeding again this morning. No. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, he's like, not well.
1: Ew, that's reminding me of...
2: Leave the world behind. Leave the world behind. Well, who's obsessed now?
1: <laughs> that scene is disgusting. This kid gets, like, radi- He gets Havana Syndrome, and he pulls out all his teeth. His
2: teeth fall out
1: his teeth fall out um but yeah Dasha's is not looking good honestly he might die soon oh no. i don't know but he's like listen i'm about to go to wherever the fuck Luo G is and basically become head of security for the fucking bond trap house it's like <laughs> wait bond trap house is a good name for a trap house album Like Bone Trap. File that. Dasha says, listen, son, if it had been any other crime, I'd be able to get you out of it. But in this case... I really can't do anything.
2: I mean, fake insurance fraud. It's is pretty like, goddamn bad. That's a huge bad. deal. Yeah.
1: They're smoking a cigarette together. Father and son. Son and father. Mm-hmm. The Holy Ghost. Yeah. Dasha's like, listen, I don't blame you, son. I mean, I'm partly to blame. I never showed up for your baseball game, your PTA meeting. I never taught you about the birds or the bees or to always clean your foreskin after you wank it. And that's on me. <laughs> Xi Lu, insane author. Okay, so then. then
2: okay, so then.
1: So Dasha is like, I mean, when you get out, you're probably going to be older than I am right now.
2: Oh, fuck. I'm not
1: going to see you for a long ass time. But here's a bag of cigarettes, and if you need anything else, call your mom. <laughs> Literally.
2: Okay, got it.
1: And that's the end of that scene. <laughs> that scene was called Little She Goes to Jail.
2: new scene okay so now finally we're with luoji who like fully skipped out on the u.n meeting because he's like fuck that i don't want to do this anyway so here's my reason why it's part of the plan or whatever (laughs) so we're back with luoji and you might remember that from the time we met luoji until now it's kind of been like Cirrus the musical you know where like he's just like there's this like cloud of agita from everything around him at all times yeah. he's like so easily sent into like an anxiety spiral yeah he's like not super like keen to like be around other people he's like annoyed by a lot of whenever stuff. he
1: walks on stage the orchestra is like dun dun pizzicato with the
2: strings yes he couldn't have a higher level of anxiety and he's also so self-centered that he like kind of lacks the ability to do anything to help himself Mm -hmm. so he just like creates these situations gets stuck in them creates more gets stuck in them and he's like kind of a tragic excuse of an adult Mm -hmm. you know what i mean
1: he's our byronic hero
2: but that was the old luo g no (gasps) baby lj 2.0
1: lj 2.0 living
2: in this picture perfect hgtv (sighs) dream Dream house giveaway oh. home on the lake yeah. by the forest yeah. at the base of the mountain he, range, he's
1: a, he's a this new man.
2: man could not be more laid back, baby. Wow. He's a new man.
1: I, I'm happy for
2: him. Reborn. Woo! He takes walks by this lake. He sits on the dock. He kicks his feet in the water. He goes for little joy rides on any one of his speedboats. He goes foraging in the forest, and then he has his... Private chef magic a meal into existence from this found perfect ingredient bounty he has access at all hours of the day. Wow. If somehow he ever gets bored he has his security detail join him for a round of golf on his golf course Got it. lj 2.0 is well and truly alone as it relates to the outside world like sure his security detail is there sometimes following him like a little too close for his own comfort kent is in the house so he's always just like a specter that'll appear whenever Luoji needs something. But like he has no connection to the outside world. And bigger, he lacks an awareness of the passage of time itself. Like often spending entire days doing absolutely nothing. Like he couldn't tell you when he is, what time of that day it is. He has no idea. He's exactly. like fully checked out. Which like if I had this house at my disposal, honestly, same. Yeah. Now at this house, it's easy to understand how Luoj winds up. Being like this, like fully checked out, lazy as fuck, bored most of the time, like sometimes doing like kind of nothing. Wanking it. Though, while he, I'm sure, while he's here, he had grown particularly fond of the wine cellar, mm. which had been very, very well stocked by Uh-oh, the previous owner.
1: oh we got a wino on our hands. He's like, vino, more vino.
2: <laughs> Basically.
1: I love this. This is like the, the number that opens act two, where it's like Luo G, if he starts the musical, and he's like, dun, 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 Like really dun,
2: living in the house. Yeah.
1: <gasps> what am I? What? Ah! Uh, 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 what? No, me? No! And now, Act Two yeah. opens and it's fucking paradise. Yeah. And it's. Luoji
2: and Nirvana. Uh-huh. My
1: life is beautiful. I can do anything I
2: want. Yeah, and he's holding a glass of wine while he's singing that because. When he got here, they obviously, you know, they said, like, the last guy really stocked this place right. for, like, anything you could possibly want, including the wine. Mm-hmm. And we're talking, like, true one-of-one sipping experiences that he found, like, that they had bought at an auction for, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars for these two bottles. You know, like, insane collection of wine that he's like, sure, I'll pick up a drinking habit.
1: He's like, what is this um, floral undertones or... <laughs>
2: i mean not no because he'll find himself drinking in the living room in the library even when he's like piloting one of his little like sailboats around the lake even though he's like this is fucking dangerous i'm gonna wind up killing myself that's not what i want i just want to not be a wall facer
1: he's gone full hedonistic
2: something interesting about luoji at this estate is that even though he finally feels at peace and doesn't carry any of the anxiety from his previous life he notices he still hadn't lit the fireplace even though it was like so central to him being here right because remember like every time he was hanging out with his like angel woman or whatever had to be by the fireplace and he's like wonder why i haven't done that yet but he's like mm, i guess it's just not time and i'm like not time you're afraid to like invite her to your new house it's mm. so much better than the old place mm. it's perfect why are you afraid Right, to invite your imaginary girlfriend right, here.
1: right i guess he hasn't been wanking it i wonder if they'll cut that from the show the imaginary girlfriend
2: i don't know i'm i'm just interested to see any of the show i think i'm like I know. what will they it do will with be it
1: very the editorial decisions anyways
2: so luoji even though this estate that he's now found himself in is outfitted for the modern world and like connected to the internet and like has satellite television and like everything you name it he never goes online and he never reads the news super late one night When Lawochi had already been drinking, he sits down in front of his television, working on this 35-year-old bottle of cognac, and he's flipping through the channels when an English news broadcast catches his attention. It's just First time seeing the news since being at this house.
1: Breaking news from the BBC.
2: He stopped on the channel like midway through the broadcast so that he didn't get like a, if you're just joining us kind of thing. yeah. But they were talking about this mid-17th century shipwreck that had just been salvaged. And among the items that they had retrieved was this... 17th century cask of wine that according to wine experts because it had been sealed all this time and stored at the bottom of the ocean there would truly not be another glass of wine like it in the world like it's a it's a one in like a billion kind of chance
1: don't tell me he asks for this bottle of wine
2: so it was headed to auction and he's glued to this and like obviously obsessed with his alcohol at this point so he's like kent comes running in he was like oh my
1: god do
2: you see this and he like hits record on the tivo so he can like go back and watch it again kent's like oh yeah wow that's cool Uh, what about it mr luoji sir luoji's like buy it for me obviously go buy that (laughs) and so kent runs off to make a call and two hours later comes back to tell luoji that the price of this cask has the unfathomable starting price at bidding of 300,000 euro expected to fetch 900,000 euro potentially a million euro luoji is like uh okay 300,000 euro like so what that literally is couch change for the wallfacer project like buy it don't bid on it just Give whatever amount of money they want and just buy it. I want that cask of wine. Love. Now, remember Johnny depping it. (laughs) Basically. Remember a few weeks ago when Luoji had that meeting one on one with the secretary general? and yes. she had that smile, like, Don't the wallfacer smile again. that was like kind of like scary but also like where they just believe everything that right. somebody's doing yeah. is like
0: okay the
2: or whatever. So now the wallfacer smile has a new iteration. Anytime a wallfacer says something has to be done for their plan, even if it's an absurd request, the law says that it has to be carried out because it was asked by a wallfacer. So now the person charged with carrying out this absurd request can often be seen wearing this new version of the wallfacer smile. Like, this is fucking crazy, but it's for the plan. Mm. So it kind of just gives that, like, everybody has this mentality. Right. So it's almost like for the plan could be like the slogan that they run on the billboards right. or whatever to drum up public support. For the plan. Yeah, kind of thing.
1: Do it for the plan. Have you found yourself at the behest of a wallfacer?
2: Two days later, the cask arrives at luoji's estate it's old the surface is aged and has patina added by the years of spending at the bottom of the ocean it's covered in shells and barnacles and various oceanic exoskeletons and luoji carefully drills a hole into the side to make a tap so that he can pour himself the first glass and the wine that flowed was the most dazzling emerald green color Lwoji couldn't take his eyes off of it. It's like it flowed and said, drink me. I'm here, finally.
0: Wow.
2: He swirled it in his glass. He put (laughs) it to his lips and Kent interrupts him and is like, doctor, is this really part of the plan? And Lwoji's like, damn straight. And he takes a sip, stops and says, everybody get out. This is just for me. Everybody leave. This is for the plan. I want to be alone. And he takes a sip and he's like, you know what? I don't know if I like that. I'm gonna try it again. But he could not bring himself to try it again because no matter how badly he wanted to like it, the taste was unlike anything he had ever experienced. And you might be thinking, Okay, well, wow, what a huge waste of money. Three hundred thousand euros minimum to buy this entire cask of wine that he tastes one sip of and he's like, Well, I don't that's like garbage. That. <laughs> It's pretty to look at, but it's terrible. You also might be thinking, well, no, what does it matter? He didn't buy it. The program bought it. So, you know, what does it matter? Well, dear listener, if you thought he didn't pay anything for that wine, you would be so wrong. That night, Luoji was violently ill. Both ends. We're told, both ends. Oh, God. This wine, through the centuries, had reacted, apparently, with the metal that lined the cask.
1: Oh, God. And had
2: turned the entire batch toxic.
1: Oh, God. So,
2: after Luoji was finally seen by the doctor and Kent got his daily dose of Schadenfreude, (laughs) at seeing this unbelievably expensive cask of undrinkable wine being carted away, Luoji just lay in bed watching his fluids drip from the IV, like, again, having to have medical intervention because it's like, everything wants him dead, I feel like. God smites him. And in this moment, he was seized by loneliness. Luoji knew he had finally reached the bottom depths of his despair. Like Mm. kind of to the point where like try as he might to distract himself with like all the nice things that are around him. Yeah. It's like even while he was doing any of those things, he was aware like I'm just using this as a distraction and I know I'm going to reach like rock bottom like depression stage probably pretty soon
1: that is such a good arc for the opening song of act two because Mm -hmm. it starts out and he's like i love life life is good i've got a pool i've got my wine i've got my friend you know i've got my land i've got my boats i've got my cigarettes i can do anything that i want and then And then it gets, like, so fast, and he's singing more and more about all the things he gets. I can have this wine, and it's $300,000, and you have to listen to me, and I'm going to take a sip. And it tastes. And then it's like. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, a really extended, like.
0: And
1: then you hear the doctors come in, and then there's this whole, like, break. And then there's a reprise of the song, but now it's in minor. And he's like. I. And he's all just spare again. And it's like, dun, 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 dun. And that is the opening of act two.
2: Yeah, no, literally. Really good. So try as he might to distract himself with any shiny objects or like his scenic excursions and activities, he would never be able to run from the truth of the matter. That he was now a wall facer charged with exacting a plan in hopes of saving the whole of humanity. But even though he's finding himself all emotional in this like self profess like rock bottom of despair or whatever he knew eventually that he would arrive to this place and he was prepared because the book says he was waiting for someone and when they arrived the next step of the plan would begin he was waiting for dashun
1: So we're going to end out today's segment with our two with two other wall facers. stretch, OK. Frederick Tyler and everyone's favorite former president of Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Ray Diaz. Frederick Tyler. Yes. Who, if you don't He's remember, the retired U.S. Secretary of Defense.
2: I think you did tell us that. Yes,
1: but I didn't tell you about the book he published called Truth of Technology.
2: Bestseller.
1: And it explains why he doesn't like and is very suspicious of Ray Diaz. Because the whole argument Mm -hmm. and crux of The Truth of Technology by Frederick Tyler is that technology and advancement in technology is of greater benefit to small countries than to, like, large, powerful ones. Yeah. And, you know, it gives, like, to, to there's a real incentive for smaller countries to advance their technology because it gives them leverage to change the world, mm-hmm. i.e. nuclear technology. Right? Like a small country gets their hands on nukes, and suddenly they're at the big boy table. Yeah. And we find so th- that's Frederick Tyler's background. A little context as to probably why he thinks Ray Diaz is like you know I'm getting Fred, I'm getting a little like light racism from Frederick Tyler, mm. but also I could see Re- Ray Diaz not being a great.
2: I mean, if the UN is sending you sanctions and sending in their military to run your government for you because you've so thoroughly destroyed everything. I feel like you are probably the bad guy,
1: but they chose him as a wall. They're like, um, Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, you need something. Can't think of anyone else. You need something destroyed. What do you do? You call somebody who knows how to destroy stuff.
1: Well, we're getting there.
2: It's giving kind of like because he's would be, I guess, if we had to like categorize him, he's being categorized as like a bad guy or whatever. Right. It's kind of his character is kind of giving like Suicide Squad. Do you know the Suicide Squad? No. Where it's like a, it's anyway. Harley Quinn and. Yeah. Where they're like criminals that are tasked with like doing right. things that like. Fun. Upstanding people couldn't do, but like need doing.
1: Well, funny you say Suicide Squad. Oh. Because Frederick Tyler, when we see him, is standing outside in the rain meeting with the defense chief of Japan. Okay. A man named Koichi Inoue.
2: Oh, is he... I'm going to make up something. You tell me if I'm right. I didn't read it. Is he asking for ways to recruit people to his mosquito mission? Not now. Oh, okay.
1: They happened to be meeting at the Peace Museum for kamikaze pilots. Okay. And now if you don't remember, the Empire of Japan during World War II used these suicide attack missions and maneuvers to essentially crash into like naval warships of the allied powers Mm -hmm. right intending to destroy them and and yeah it was just like they it it was a lot more accurate than a conventional air attack right because if you drop a missile from a plane you might miss right but if you drive your plane all the way to the point of target about three thousand this is just a little history about 3,800 that's 3,800 kamikaze pilots died during the war and more than 7,000 naval personnel were killed by kamikaze attacks. That said, only about 19% of kamikaze attacks were successful. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they were pilot-guided explosive missiles. So he's standing there in the rain. He's got his umbrella up, and he's talking to the defense chief of Japan, okay. Koichi Inoue. They're standing next to a statue. Oh, by the way, uh, Koichi has no umbrella, just to give you a little like sense of like the fine, kind of like... There's like a bit of there's like a power dynamic here, Uh you know. Koichi like he's like not afraid of the rain. Meanwhile, you have this like weak, pathetic former sheltering from it. Yes, Secretary of Defense of the U.S. Uh going to Koichi, and they're standing next to a, a monument of a special attack plane that was called a 502. Tyler's like, "What's the problem, Koichi? Why won't you accept my proposal?" And Koichi is as cold and icy as the rain he's like i highly suggest you not even mention this to the media
2: oh shit okay Uh...
1: what you are suggesting is highly insensitive you want to restore kamikaze special units why don't you go do it in the u.s tyler's like i never said that it would only be japanese fighters but since it started here, wouldn't it be appropriate to revive it here? Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like, okay, Tyler. Koichi is like, they weren't even all that effective. Like I said, 19% success rate.
2: It's not great, yeah.
1: And he also says it didn't even turn the tide of any battle. Yeah. And Frederick Tyler is like, I'm going to have a space force equipped with hydrogen bombs. All right? It's going to be a lot different than World War II. When it's going to just...
2: be a light show. It's going to be a light show. What a freak. Yeah.
1: <laughs> And so Koichi's like, so why do you need humans then? Use computer-controlled spacecrafts. They can fly them into their ship. Mm-hmm. And Tyler's like, ah, come on! It's like, today's computers aren't able to replace human brains. They're just not that advanced yet. And with these Sophons, our progress is going to be halted up for the next 400 years. You know, our computers are not going to be able to progress to the point of surpassing human capability and he's like come on koichi think about it the revival of the kamikaze squads only feels morally challenging to you now but 10 generations from now if we start establishing spirit and faith in the mission there's not going to be a moral hang-up
2: i mean yeah and it's like
1: okay i mean that's a theory if you
2: pr engineer the future you want yeah i guess it'll arrive it is
1: disturbing yeah koichi is like no your approach violates the basic moral principles of modern society the human lives come first neither the state or the government can send any person on a death mission it's like okay
2: he's like but what about a wall facer? sir
1: <laughs> but he wants to send like hundreds koichi's like what does the fate of the world matter if you must throw away all human freedom to mm. do it. And it's like, okay. Interesting philosophical yeah. opposition. Frederick Tyler sighs and he's like, fuck you. <laughs> no, he doesn't say that. But he's like, you're throwing away your most precious resource. And he walks away angry, Frederick Tyler. And he remembers a sentence from a suicide note that a kamikaze pilot had sent to his mother. Oh boy. Saying, mom, I'm going to be a firefly. <sighs> oh. That's sad. Let me go over to Ray Diaz. So Ray Diaz is back at Los Alamos with Dr. Allen. He's Please like, "Please
2: make my bomb."
1: But no, actually, Dr. Allen is like, "Well, uh, Mr. Diaz, Senor President Diaz, uh, I've crunched the numbers, and what you want is mathematically very different from anything we have ever done." Okay. And Diaz is like, "And what do you want me to do?" And Allen is like. Well, you have Cosmo on your staff. Yes, Cosmo is like some guy who's an astrophysicist. Okay. Last name Cosmo. Okay. He's like, bring him to me. Bring Cosmo in. He'll be very helpful.
2: That's like if your name was Allie Podcast. I know.
1: Cosmo, like, yeah. And Radiesse is like, why? Like, why do you need Cosmo? He's an astrophysicist. Right. And Alan is like, because the super bomb that you want to create will burn 200 megatons and it's going to combust and burn for minutes. And, and you know what that's going to look like? I mean, some, uh, the biggest bomb we have, like the fireball is uh-huh. only going to last a couple seconds. Yeah. but the super bomb minutes. that you want to create, yeah. it's going to burn for minutes. Yikes. And you know what that's going to look like? A star. Bingo bango. Oh. A star, a sun. Yes. A sun radius. That is correct. So it's Fusion structure is such that of a star, and the mathematical model that we need to construct is essentially that of a star.
2: Wow, his plan is build me a star. Literally. Damn, okay
1: dr allen is like I- i'm sorry if i seemed hesitant earlier about your idea what you are doing is extremely <laughs> exciting and far greater than we could have even imagined here at Los i mean
2: yeah they're stoked like they he's never stoked. get to do shit like He's
1: so this. excited yeah. he's like this is going to advance science and and open up an entire new world of discovery yeah we sir are gonna construct a virtual star shh actually is like what? No. He's like shaking his head with disapproval. He's like, what does this have to do with defending Earth? Okay. Dr. Allen is like, come on. Don't be so short-sighted. Being able to construct a sun is a very useful thing to have in your computer memory. (laughs) It's the biggest presence closest to us in the cosmos. And we could be taking more advantage of it, which reminds me, obviously, of the Kardashev scale.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? Like, if we can have a mathematical and applicable framework for creating a star.
2: Forget it. Like, it's over.
1: Talk about the fucking Kardashev scale. Mm -hmm. Harnessing the power of our whole sun. He's like, the model may have hundreds of discoveries lying in wait. Like, Ray is having this, like, weird sort of, like, change of heart all of a sudden.
0: Oh, okay. He's
1: like, but the last time we used the science of the sun, it brought humanity to its brink.
2: Yeah, like...
1: And brought us here now to Los Alamos. Oppenheimer, yeah. Literally. And Dr. Allen's like, well, yes, it brought us to our brink brought us here now but who knows where it will bring us next and he has invited ray diaz here to watch the sun rise and as the sun is rising over the horizon dr allen quotes
2: oppenheimer Ooh.
1: yeah you know you know the one
2: oh no not oppenheimer quoting yeah oh no dr
1: allen's like i am become death destroyer of worlds oh no and then apparently a man historically named Bainbridge said, after Oppenheimer said that, it's uh-huh. like very juxtaposing statement, non-poetic as it's described in the book. Someone So Oppenheimer goes, I am become death destroyer of worlds. And Bainbridge goes, and now we're all sons of bitches. Damn. And Dr. Allen looks at Ray Diaz and he says, thanks to you, we may no longer be sons of bitches. The sun illuminates the barren land that has truly been completely flattened and obliterated by all of the bomb testing. Ray Diaz feels the sun blaring over his face the landscape lighting up in a blaze and he falls into a crouch and he's convulsing and he's dry heaving and he's grabbing onto a clump of thorns. Oh my God. For like dear life. What? And he he calls for like help and the, this car comes over and Radius gets in the car and like they're blasting the AC and he's like, sunglasses, I need sunglasses. And they give him sunglasses what? and as he puts them on and the light sort of, and the, and the light is no longer blaring into his eyes, he, he's able to catch his breath i thought he was gonna die here and like quit the project or something like i thought it was gonna be like and ray diaz no longer was a wall like did he
2: just have like a psychiatric event or like what's
1: basically he just developed a sudden peculiar phobia of the sun which led him to the edge of a mental and physical breakdown
2: whoa i wonder if like there's a sofa at play there, like, fucking with him in some way because, like, if they were just saying all those things out loud, then like a Sofan could easily hear like all of that. Like, I, I feel like people still are not, uh, even though they know, they're like not fully operating from the place of like, act like a Sofan is here right now, kind of thing.
1: Agreed, agreed. They could totally be sabotaging. So
2: I'm now. I'm like, oh, is a Sofan fucking with him? Is that why he's like maybe we're afraid of this? Stuff? Like, what did he see? Can
1: they do that? But basically, from that day on. ray diaz confined himself to the indoors like he never wanted to see the sun again you think they're gonna make oppenheimer into a musical sorry it's so hard when you watch selling sunset you confuse the oppenheim group
2: (laughs) oh my god Wait, do you With mean will they make Oppenheimer the into musical. a musical? Yeah. Probably. They probably will. Probably.
1: What about the musical called Kissinger? E. E. Well, that's our show. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. What? Oh
0: my God.
1: <laughs> what?
2: I'm still thinking about Leave the World Behind.
1: It's a good holiday movie.
2: No, don't lie to these people.
1: Watch it with your family.
2: What holiday? Whatever holiday it is when this happens. Yeah. For you to be hearing it right now.
1: Merry Christmas.
2: Yeah, I liked Christmas. Seth Cohen was so cute. What
1: was cute?
2: Seth Cohen. Oh, I didn't see that. In the OC.
1: I don't know what you're talking about.
2: You didn't watch the OC? Mm. Are you a baby?
1: (laughs) Yeah. That movie's actually rated
2: (laughs) PG-13. It's a TV show.
1: (laughs) Oh... Well,
2: well, Allie, I, I have to say, um, I'll be having less of whatever that seasoning spice was we found outside, that herb, that flower grown from the ground. I'll be having less of that next time. Okay. I, I'd be lying if I said this was not a struggle. Really? Yeah. <laughs> if I said this was not a struggle.
1: Not me. I should have smoked a long time ago.
2: Allie. Brat. It's been a bread. long one. It is bread, actually. <laughs> It's been a long one, but it's been a fun one. Hopefully I'm going to get us out of here real fast.
1: Please save us.
2: I think that's all. Is there anything else?
1: My dear radar freaks. If you haven't visited the Patreon oh, yeah, yet. Wait,
2: did, did we decide? Is that what they're being called now? I don't know. Or that radar just peeps. Came to
1: me. Because Radar Peeps was... I think Radar Freaks feels good. Yeah. My dear Radar Freaks.
2: Let us know if you, which of those you like.
1: I don't give a fuck what our listeners like anymore. I do. You're listening to... What is it?
2: Nuke Radio. We make your, <laughs> your eardrums, eardrums bleed. I'm Allie. No, it's I just shoved a nuke up my pussy. <laughs> looking like a stage mom over here like mouthing
1: i forgot it i don't know how she says it
2: well well that's all i've got today Allie. it's been fun i'll miss you until next week until but next- <laughs> what were you saying
1: just end, just end it i'm brett put me out of my misery
2: that's Allie, and we're done saying words we love you bye bye You've been listening to Season 2 of Radar Peak, a three-body podcast. Subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts or wherever you pod so you never miss an episode. For exclusive, members-only content, subscribe to our Patreon. Oh, one last thing before you go. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave a review and tell your friends about us. Join in on the conversation when you follow us on social media at Radar Peak Pod. See you there.